Hello. We want to thank you for joining our Living Messiah family by downloading this podcast. We hope it blesses you and enriches your life. We also want to encourage you, uh, if you can, and if your heart is so moved, to support this ministry by going on our website, livingmessiah.com, and donating to help us to put these podcasts in every nation, every place, so we can bring these messages to change lives, to help people grow in the Word of God. Once again, thank you so much for being part of our family. Shalom. All right. Shabbat shalom, everyone. I'm glad all of you guys are here today. It's started out a little drizzly and rainy here and there in the valley, and there's, it's sunny out there now. So, hey. Uh, so let me, uh, let, me, let me open in prayer first, and then we can start getting to some, um, some other things here and then into the teaching. Father, Yahweh, great and mighty you are. Father, there is none like you. Father, you're, you are unique. Father, you're merciful. You, oh, there's a list of things. You define what is right and what is wrong. Father, and you define faithfulness as well. Father, we thank you for your words and your faithfulness to them. Help us to understand them and be empowered by them and to do them in our lives, Father, as we go. Father, we want to lift up any of... Uh, or any of our family members that are not here due to any kind of illness, we ask your hand be upon them. We lift up uh, Tracy Peterson, Father, and give her wisdom and insight uh, with uh, what's before her and just guide her and your hand of protection and your hand of healing upon her. And we ask the same for our good friend, Alex Starr, Father, that you would be with her and guide her in your hand of healing and protection be upon her. We thank you again for, uh, for that we could come before you and ask of these things. Amen. All right. Well, as you guys, uh, I want to say, oh, I want to say, you know, thanks for joining us. And that goes for our online family, uh, livingmessiah.com is the website there. You'll find the donate button. Thank you uh, for all those who do support. And um, as you know, there's, there's, I know there's a, a, two mics. I think two of them are floating around out there. So uh, if you have any questions or comments, you know the routine. Raise your hand. The mic will find its way to you. Messiah. And again, you know, there. we're all learning together. So uh, let's try to stick on uh, the subject uh, um, that's at hand. So. Okay, so as you guys know, we're in chapter 19. We began chapter 19 here. Last week, we looked into the word belief, and I think it's, uh, I, uh, it was very insightful for me, okay? And what we did is looked into that word for belief, but the concrete meaning behind belief, uh, believer, you know, uh, faith, you know, they're dis they are defined by what you do. It's just not all a mental thing. And I think that's very important. So when it comes to our faith, um, specifically then our faith is the obedience to Elohim's law or his words, his commands, uh, God's law. So if you have faith in the Elohim and the God of Israel, then... Uh, you obey what he says, and you'll do the things he asks of you because it's good for us, and that's what he asks, you know, because he has all good things in mind for us. 
And you know what? So basically, you will obey those commandments. It's really as simple as that. You know, it doesn't need to throw in a whole bunch of theology to get it all muddied up. It's as, as simple as that. Because we, we read from Hebrews 3, 7 last week. I'll repeat it again because I think it's worth repeating. I heard some of my name, or no? <laughs> okay. Uh, Hebrews 3, 7 is kind of interesting. We read it last week. Therefore, as the set-apart spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion in the day of trial in the wilderness. We know then, we know what the Spirit said because it was given to Moses. Right? That would make sense. So I do want to elaborate a little more on that. That idea then that faith is obeying. And what I want to do then is look at Yahshua's Teaching should be understood in that framework. Because remember, he said, I have come to bring division, right? I have sword, okay? So obviously, just in that, then he has come to divide out worldly ways versus our Father's ways. Uh, you know, and I know some of these are simple things, but I think we always have to remind ourselves of them as well. So remember the parable of the soils, the sowing of the word of God, the word of Elohim? What I eventually want to do here is I want to apply this idea of faith is believing concept to that parable. Okay? So what we're talking about ultimately here in Acts, just as a reminder, this is about Acts, but these are to me foundational things of what's going on in Acts that we need to remind ourselves as we read the story. Because in the, as, as in the story right now, we have uh, the baptism of John, which is repentance, and the baptism of the Spirit, which in some ways it's power. Okay? All right? Power that we, uh, that's what we've been reading about here in Acts. Okay? So then we also, we have Paul's mission that was uh, taking that word of God and that good news to the world. So all these things come alongside that and are a part of that. So um, this quick study I want to do, I believe will only clarify what's going on in Acts uh, a little bit more. And we, we can't add a different understanding to the book of Acts, okay? So all of these things define the book of Acts. We can't look at the New Testament and have new theology or new ideas. It's all coming from somewhere. So Paul, on arriving to Ephesus and finding some disciples, it says this. Oops, thumbs up. And he said to them, finding these disciples in Ephesus, did you receive the set-apart spirit when you believed? And they said to him, no, we, we don't have no clue about the set-apart spirit. Okay? And they said to him, no, we didn't. We heard that there, we didn't, wasn't aware of the set-apart spirit. Basically, what is it then, right? What I thought was interesting, this 
I had to add this because this is puzzling me. What's the difference between receive and take? Because I was doing that too in our language. Okay, you got receive and then you got take. And what struck me, this very verse in another translation, and even in the Greek for the most part, this word receive, actually it says, he said to them, did you take the set-apart spirit? That is interesting. At least for me it was. The Greek word here is... Uh, is um, Bam, uh, what is it? Bam, 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 dano, bam, dano. And how it gets translated, it does get translated uh, in various ways. One of them is receive, and I'm not saying that it's wrong, but when you really think about it, when you receive something, that's one thing, but what do you do with it when you receive it? So I think both play a part here. But in the Greek, it says to take with the hand, lay hold of any person or thing in order to use it. Now, to me, there's more action in this idea. So I would suggest maybe Paul saying, not that you, did you receive it, or did you take the Spirit? Did you take it and apply it? Are you doing it? And it also says to take up a thing to be carried to take upon oneself. That's really kind of changed this idea. It's like, did you receive the Spirit? Because if, if you just stick to that idea, it's like, oh, I got it. But what did you do with it? Okay, right? I, I just thought that was very interesting to point out to you. So, if you, we look again to this, then... Paul is saying to these disciples, okay, yeah, you had the John's baptism, but did you take hold of the set-apart spirit when you obeyed what John was saying about returning? You see how that comes together? I think that's really, really interesting. Um, so, but I do want to talk about the parable of the soils. And again, let's apply this faith-belief that we're looking at faith belief being obedience or being obeying this concept in relationship to this parable. And I'm hoping that you'll see maybe something a little bit deeper here, you know. As you know, this parable of the soil, it's in two of the Gospels. It's recorded in Mark and it's recorded in Luke. I want to begin with Mark just as the beginning here, because there's something special that I think Mark records that is good for us. So this parable here, and he said to them, who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, those about him uh, with the 12 asked, asked him about the parable. And he said to them, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the reign of Elohim or the kingdom of God, okay? But to those who are outside, all are done in parables. So that seeing they see but do not perceive and hearing they do, do not understand. Least they should turn 
and their sins be forgiven them. And he says to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then shall you understand all parables? That's pretty important. So what I get from this is like, if we can understand this parable even deeper and understand it more, on just not the simple level, then we're going to understand more about the kingdom of Elohim. Because everything, at least from what, what Mark has recorded, Messiah is saying, if you don't get this parable, eh, then you're not really going to understand much. And he follows it up, the sower sows the world. Okay? So we begin with that. Oh, here's another insight. Verse 11 is kind of interesting. But those who are outside, all are done in parables. So do you want to be an outsider or do you want to be an insider? Where do you think is the best place to be when it comes to Elohim? Obviously, being an insider. So that's why I wanted to look at this uh, parable even more. So if we go to 8, and this is what I'm, uh, I'm doing here. A sower went out to sow his seed. And this is the parable. The seed is the word of Elohim, just like what Mark said, right? Mark said the same exact thing. And as the sower, as he sowed, so we got this sower sowing seed, would it be equivalent to let him, him hear what the Spirit said? Because if it's the word of Elohim being then I would say that applies. And again, Hebrews uh, just now. Therefore, as the set-apart spirit says, today hear the voice, not harden your hearts as in the day of... So I see the equivalent going on here as well if we look at it in these terms. So, some fell by the wayside, it was trotted down, and the birds of the heaven, heavens devoured it. What I, you see what I'm doing, I am comparing what was the comparison. I'm bringing them uh, together, where the parable and how Messiah is unveiling that parable to them. Okay. And those then that were by the wayside are the ones who hear and then the devil or the accuser comes and takes away the word from their hearts, least having believed they should be saved. Key word, remember this belief equals what? Equals ob obedience. So least or less having obeyed, they should be saved. To me, that's a little bit deeper than just a profession in one's mind. It comes down to that action. And you know, salvation, deliverance is right next to it. 
there is a union or association between obedience and deliverance. Salvation. And other fell on rock, and when it grew up, it withered because it had no moisture. And those on the rock are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no root, who believe for a while and in time of trial fall away. Again, they believe or they obey for a little bit. And then trials come, they fall away. And other fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. Now, as you guys know, we're talking about soil, gardening, and all that sort of thing. And if you have comments as we go, I'm welcoming them, please. But here on 7 is interesting. Thorns grew up with it and choked it. So, could you then say, whatever's going on in this field... It's not as separated as it could have been or should be. Because what's the thorns there? These are some of the things that we've got to ask ourselves. Possibly, maybe new ter uh, terminology that we're all familiar with. Maybe it was this idea. Maybe relying on grace only. <laughs> the thorns are there, just grace it on through. Right? And that which fell among thorns are those who, when they have heard, go out and are choked with worries and riches and pleasures of life and bring no fruit to perfection. So they did, they did hear being choked with worries. Uh, worries is a big one of mine. I'm always worried about all kinds of things. Pressures of life, we all have those. One forms, somebody's pressure in life is not the same as somebody else's. But the whole idea here is uh, there was no fruit to perfection. Any other views on this soil? One, it does say there's no fruit to perfection. Does that mean that there is no work involved here? Or not as much work in tending to the field? Or maybe no working no more than necessary? Because, you know, if, we, if we're forgiven and Messiah's done everything, then we don't really have to sweat too much. Just let it go. Let the field go, right? I don't know. 
Is it one of those things, once done, it's done? It, it was so, whatever it yields, it yields, right? Because you don't want to get too legalistic about it, but at the same time, these things only come because there is no work involved with the soil. So it is a legal idea going on here. If you don't work the soil, you don't get fruit. Or at least, depending on how you're doing it, depends on how you do you feel, there, there's no fruit of great value here, maybe. It could have yielded more, Sounds a whole lot like lukewarmish, maybe another terminology that we're familiar with. Let's continue. And others fell on good soil. Okay, this is us, right? This is all of us here. We're believers in Messiah. We do the feasts. We, right? And others fell on good soil and grew up and yielded a crop of a hundredfold. Having said this, he cried. Oh, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And that on the good soil are those who, having heard the word with a noble and a good heart, a believing heart, an obedient heart, I would stretch that for sure. They retained it and bear fruit with endurance. It's interesting, at least this English word for our English word, endurance, I didn't look what's behind it, but if it is endurance, that means it's not a one-time deal thing with the field, is it? Because if this field is going to produce over and over again, we're back to that idea of work. Because it needs to be work. Let me mind you, this is good soil, right? That everyone wants to be. And I'm sure you've heard maybe plenty of sermons on the good soil. Everyone says they believe in Jesus, good soil. That's us. But the one thing that, as I was thinking about that, is just what I was saying. This isn't a one-time thing. That means you have to work this over and over again. And if that is the case, if this soil is deemed, or you know, this field deemed, and this soil deemed good and producing good fruit, what about the next harvest season? What is interesting about that, that next harvest season, it very well could be the very one that has rocks in it, couldn't it, if it's not maintained. Or it could be any of the other that is lesser and producing lesser. And that's really where I see it's not a one-time deal. Because who's he addressing with this parable? For the insiders, those who are inside, the outside, 
they just got the parable. But he's revealing the inside information on this parable. Like I said, do you work the field once and it's done? If that's the case, then I believe there would be way more farmers and gardeners if that was the physical reality out there. How many of us are farmers or gardeners? Come on, it's easy, right? It's not. It's not one bit. Then, this can get kind of... I, this is, can get really interesting here if we start thinking about that. Because if we're not farmers or gardeners, then, hey, let's rely on somebody else supplying our food to us. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not just talking theologically or any of that. Just the basics of, you know, and it's been a big thing now in food. What? Crickets and everything else. They're... Yeah, because we're not farmers, because we didn't work our field, because maybe we, which this is all of us, maybe somewhere, well, we did it once, we produced one good field, and after that. But do you see how this, to me, starts really, ultimately what I want, what it relates to is the set-apart spirit. Because if this is what the Spirit says, then the Spirit is saying it's not a one-time deal. It's every harvest. And isn't that interesting with Scripture that we have these harvest seasons, appointed times that the children meet with the Father? For what? Instruction on how to do Okay, you got a little rocks going on your soil, my children. Let's work on that. We got to get a little bit more of a yield. Now, because of the uniqueness of our personalities and our abilities, the Father has mercy, right? He can look at, okay, yeah, I think you can still yield a little bit more over here. This other person, you're lazy. Get off your butt, and you can do much more. Right? You say you do this, and you say you do that, and that's all great. Then more is expected of you then. Man, this is, this, this is the inside information because we're insiders. And it, to me, it doesn't feel too good sometimes. At least me personally. Then there's all that idea then, you know, someone else has done it, so we don't need to obey the law. That makes no sense in this parable. And if this parable is for the insiders, and this parable is because what the Spirit is saying is said, then that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And like I said, can a good field become just like all the others? Yes, it can. So if this is the spirit, the set-apart spirit, what about the baptism of the spirit? 
apply to that idea of being baptized the Spirit with you? I think it can. I think it honestly can. So this baptism of the Spirit that we see happening in Acts, we'll see those who take hold of it produce a good field. Some had rocks, some didn't. Some were various places along the line. Some were good soil to begin with. But this message was endurance. Just like Abraham. Abraham matured. That's the key thing. He wasn't perfect, but he matured. He got better and better at being obedient, listening to the voice, listening to what the Spirit said. And he then becomes that example for all of us, being the father of our faith. So it does come then to this idea, there's more to this, he who has ears, let him hear. That means, hear what the Spirit is saying. So that terminology like Paul pointed out, they heard this, the Spirit in the wilderness and they fell due to rebellion. So it makes us a full circle. Whatever we read in the Old Testament, like Paul clearly points out to us, you have your illustration of what's going to happen to you. They all came out by the blood of the Lamb. They all came to the mountain, received maybe didn't take the commandments that they should have and put it in their heart due to disobedience, and then they fell in the wilderness, and guess what? What was it? Only two was able to get in to the promised land. Out of, I don't know, even if it was only 100 Israelites, that's bad odds, right? But it was millions. So there is something there for us to really uh, take home, for sure, I hope. I know with me going through this. And then, I, again, what other ideas? So this, bringing all these together, I want to hear from you. If it's sparking something else, that you, other scripture verses. But this is, I don't know, this is my way of looking at what did the Spirit say? What is the baptism of the set-apart Spirit? And if there's nothing, then we'll continue in Acts, which we were in Acts, even though we're in Luke. <laughs> I know, I put a fast one on you, because, see, in my mind... Remember, Luke wrote Luke and Acts, so it's the same book. We're actually in the same book. <laughs> so, just on the map, so you know where we're at, Ephesus, right there. Last week, Saul said, you know, John indeed immersed with the immersion of repentance, right? saying to the people that they should trust, obey in the one who is coming after him. 
that is Yeshua the Messiah. But then some were hardened and did not believe, did not obey this word, and they spoke evil way before the whole crowd about this assembly. So here Paul begins uh, to separate out disciples from amongst them. This is one of the, I think, is a very interesting point here in the history of Paul that I'm learning. He, re, he withdrew from them and separated some taught ones, apostles, and then they begin the reason daily outside of, it seems like, the synagogue. Whether they went to another synagogue or not, but it, I don't know. But here Paul separates, and it's saying, you know what's so interesting? He separates out these individuals, and it says there were about 12 of them. I thought that was, who do we know that gathered up 12 to follow him? Yeah. I don't know, maybe Paul's changing his game. He did what was asked, went out and said, you know what, not getting anywhere. If I focus, like, like I hear this guy from Nazareth, he focused on 12. And look what he produced. I'm part of that in some sense. So that's just something for us to think about. Maybe on an individual level, uh, think about it this way. We could go out in the street corners. We could do this and this. But are we walking out who we've been empowered by around our friends and family? You know? Are we influencing them? You know, because you could go, you could, you could go to another country, and I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that. But you go to another country, but your own neighbor doesn't know much about you. Maybe your neighbor is hurting, doesn't need the good news except the, someone to lend a hand to. To help out. I don't know. These are I'm just thoughts. So the word of Elohim, again, it brings division. Messiah brings the sword. It's rightly dividing. Messiah has not cut away the instructions of Moses, but those words do cut. Those commandments by the Spirit to Moses, they do. They cut away. And actually, they cut into, you've heard me say plenty of times, they cut into doctrines and the commandments of men severely. So, the relationship with the two immersions, I would say the common factor, common denominator, is this idea of obedience, right? Belief, faith, and trust is obedience, biblically speaking, not in our English. But when you see those words, I ask, I put obedience there and see if you get more convicted. Okay? Try it. I know I have been. And then ultimately, this hardening of the heart it is disobedience. So when you see that terminology, 
That's what it's saying. So you don't want to have a hard heart. So continuing with this thought here, the immersion of John and the immersion of the set-apart spirit, then I would suggest they're complementary to each other. Okay? That one key thing joining him is obedience, right? Now, you will find it's not always one before the other. It's kind of interesting. You know, you don't need the baptism of John before you get the Spirit, and sometimes it's the Spirit. And think about that. If you've got this baptism of repentance from John, what are you doing? I think Paul's pointing the direction. You need the power of the Spirit to overcome and be obey, because there's more. Now, some have been baptized in the set-apart spirit, right? So is it a one-time thing? What do you do? You search out what to obey to be empowered, and I'm sorry, I believe you find that you've got to repent. So you can see how they're related. And again, not one before the other. So I don't want to put any kind of, you know, that typical word, no box around the spirit here. Because the Spirit's going to do what He chooses to do when He does it. So, in general, we do see a pattern in Scripture. It's that plea of repentance. We see that from the prophets. And then the Spirit comes. But again, that's not solid everywhere. Okay? Because ultimately, we do see this repent, and then we see the Spirit's going to be poured out on all flesh. I do want to stress this again. I think this is, for me, it's important. Repentance of John, the water baptism, the set-apart spirit, the baptism of that. It's not a one-time and done thing. And I believe I can back that statement up with just what we looked in the parable of the soils showed us that, if we're willing, or my understanding of that. Now here, as we continue on, Here's a verse that you, you already know. I would suggest, think about this. Think of this verse as the, the opening verse for the New Testament. Okay? Or any book in the New Testament. This is the opening verse. What do you call it? The intro. The intro to everything in the New Testament. And this is exactly lines up with what we're talking about. Look, for the day shall come burning like a furnace, and all the proud and every wronger shall be stubble. And that day that shall come shall burn them up, says Yahweh of hosts, which leaves them neither root or branch, but to you who... Fear my name, my character. The Son of Righteousness shall rise with healing in his wings, and you shall go out and leap for joy like calves from the stall. 
and you shall trample the wrongdoers, for they shall be as ash under the soles of your feet on that day that I do this, says Yahuwah. Remember the Torah, the instructions of Moses that the Spirit said. My servant, which I commanded him in Horeb, for all Israel, for the family, laws and right rulings. See, I am sending you Eliyahu, the prophet. Messiah said, uh, referred to John the Baptist as the one who baptizes in repentance prophet before the coming of the great and awesome day of Yahweh. And he shall turn. There's, there it is. There's that repentance of Elijah, of John the Baptist. And he shall turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. Least I come and smite the earth with utter destruction. So if, I, if you let me sum this up, return to the instructions given to Moses, who is the servant. A servant example to us. To have a heart like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Because to them was given the covenant. And that covenant was, if you obey. If you obey the voice. And that's obedience. Obedience is in the immersion of John the Baptist. The message of Elijah, the power of, oh, there's power. That's interesting because Elijah was empowered. Is there a set-apart spirit right there in both of them? Anyhow, so obedience you do see in the immersion of John, the repentance. Because obviously that's what it's for. When we baptize and we baptize, what's it for? Just to clean ourselves, to feel good about it? No, it's deciding that we're going to change things. And then we have to do that quite often, don't we? So that principle. So let me see where we're at. Um, oh, yeah. I think I'm going to read this. And then we're going to come back to Acts because I really do want some insight from you guys. If you could, read this section of Acts. And I want to hear some insight on this. I'm going to read it. And Elohim worked unusual miracles through the hand of Shaul, the hand of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick and the disease left them and the wicked spirits went out of them and or but certain young, uh, uh, a certain roving Udite exorcist took it upon themselves to call the name of the master Yeshua over those who had wicked spirit saying, yeah, we exercise you. <laughs> out by the name of Yeshua, whom Saul proclaims. And there were seven sons of a certain, uh, a, a certain Thecu, a Udite, chief, priest, who 
were, um, who were doing this. To say the least, it's starting there. That's kind of that's kind of interesting, isn't it? All of a sudden, we have this, and the scripture says it here, or at least the text is saying it. Unusual miracle and sign in here. This is the first, um, you know, something with a handkerchief. What is going on? You know. But I believe it's comparing these two things together. And that's where I want to get some of your insight next week. For instance, was it because of the culture that where they were in Ephesus that this type of thing was being done? Does Elohim do different signs to different cultures or to different people, but yet he's not changing who he is? He's not, you know, he's not changing his character or who he is, but he does he, for instance, here in Ephesus, was this something that the culture really picked up on? Where in another culture, now we're not going to do the handkerchief thing here. We're going to do something else. Because it'll be something much something that will touch them. I don't know. These are the questions that I ask myself and I haven't been able to give you any answers from myself yet that I have come up with. But ultimately, who is behind the power here? Is it Paul? No, it is the set apart spirit. So, let me close here, and I look forward to some of your comments and what you, if you have time, please do look at that. I'd like to hear some from you. Father, Yahweh, great and mighty you are. There is none like you. Father, we thank you for your love and your mercy. Be with us today, Father. Help us to be, to overcome. Help us produce and to be on guard of our soil. Father, you know we're frail and we fall so many times. But Father, if you are our God, and if it is your spirit, then we can overcome these things because there is no one like you, Father. We thank you again for the redemption we find and your son, Yahshua, our Messiah, our King. Amen. Shalom, everyone. Thanks for coming out. And those online, thanks for joining us.